It's Jamie Grace, and I want to welcome you guys to The Jamie Gray Show. This is a Friday, which means it will be Fighter Fridays, which originally started on my nonprofit website, imafighter.org. But I wanted to bring it to The Jamie Gray Show so that you guys can hear these inspiring and encouraging episodes in podcast format. So here is an episode of Fighter Fridays. Happy Friday, or whatever day your replay day may be. This is Jamie Grace, and I want to welcome you to Fighter Fridays here at imafighter.org, your weekly source of encouragement featuring the stories of everyday people who we call fighters. Today is um, a special episode because I get to talk to one of my family members. Now, um, I get to talk to one of my cousins who, a distant cousin by marriage, not like distant emotionally or like by relationship. Like, uh, she's not like my first or second cousin. Um, I think she's like my third cousin. I don't know how this works, but um, she uh, is awesome. Her name is Dee. And we're going to be talking to her about her son, Eli. Um, his official diagnosis is of having high functioning autism with ADHD and sensory processing, dis- sensory processing disorder. Um, Eli is adorable. He's a precious little boy. Um, and I know that you will enjoy hearing um, his story through the words of his incredible mom, Dee. Um, and you also get to hear a lot about their family. So I'm going to go ahead and give Dee a call here on Skype. And we're going to chat and see uh, see what they're up to. Well, hello. Hi. How are you? I am great. Can you see me? I can. Can you see me as well? No. Oh, I think you just went away. Hold on. Oh, you know, it might help if I turn my video on. (laughs) That might help. (laughs) I've heard a little bit about, like, turning on the camera is actually really helpful, so. Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. Awesome. Okay, I can see you. You can see me. Um, Great. Well, how's your day going so far? It's going pretty well. It's my off day. Okay. Off work. Nice. But I'm full on mom mode yeah (laughs) so speaking of mom mode you have three awesome kids um blake bella and eli i know bella is 10 even though as i told you in my brain she's like seven um but how old are all three of the kids because i'm getting old and i like start forgetting how old everybody is but how old are the kids (laughs) So Blake is 16. He'll be 17 in November. Bella will be 10 next month, and Eli just turned six. Just turned six. six. So is that kindergarten, first grade for Eli? He is first grade. First grade. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Now, um, I I mentioned just before, you know, I gave you the call um, that Eli um, is diagnosed with um, having high-functioning autism, as well as ADHD and sensory processing disorder. Um, right. And I, I kind of, you know, have an idea of what those are and have ADHD okay. myself. But can you just explain um, what those diagnoses, what they actually mean? So high-functioning autism used to be referred to as Asperger's. And right before his diagnosis in 2012, I think, they something with the coding, they no longer use Asperger's, but it it is considered Asperger's. And it just means that he lacks a lot of social skills. Um, he, He doesn't really like to interact with other people. He plays by himself. He's kind of self-contained. Um, he's getting a little bit better, but he prefers to 
do things by himself, for himself, with himself. Um, ADHD is pretty common. It's, you know, he's he gets um, distracted very easily, but he's also very hyperactive uh, when he's distracted. For the most part, at school, that's not an issue, but at home, you can always find him, like, running in circles through the living room and the kitchen. He doesn't wear out yeah. too much. Uh, and people are like, you know, man, he's going to wear out soon. And it's like, no, he's like that when he wakes up <laughs> until the time sleep. And then yeah. sensory processing disorder pretty much means that he doesn't feel the way, I hate to say normal, but it's, I, I, pref, I prefer to call people neurotypical mm-hmm. people feel, which is um, all of his senses. He He's sensory seeking. So a lot of the times he will come up to me and instead of kissing me, we call it bird kisses. He'll either rub his nose up against me or he'll just kind of do like a little bird kind of move his mouth on our noses, which drives me crazy. Um, he's a licker. He licks things, people, objects, um, sounds, loud sounds really bother him. So he um, carries around headphones. Um, so it, it's just his, the way he processes sensory things, um, he hears everything. The low hum of the air conditioner, um, and the noise down the street. So it, it's just his brain processes things a lot different than most people. Yeah. You know, I've never had, um, like any type of like formal diagnosis or, um, test of any, any kind for sensory processing disorder, but I know that even with, um, the, conditions that I, I do have that I've I've had issues with like sensory overload issues. Um, yeah. I remember the first time I went to Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the last time I'll ever go to Times Square. And I mean that with all the love and respect to everyone in New York City. Um, but it was just, there were a lot of sounds, a lot of smells, a lot of people, a lot of different textures. And my sister actually had to like take me inside of a restaurant and put me in like the back corner table. I like, I started freaking out. It was way too much to handle. So to, I'm sure not to the extent that Eli has had to understand that and deal with that. But I I do know that I've, I've relate, I can relate a little bit to that sensory overload situation. And that happens with a lot. A lot of times yeah. we avoid restaurants because people just aren't as understanding. They just see a kid that is acting out in mm. their mind, and yeah. he just, it's too much for him. Yeah. The lights, the, the sound, just everything is way too much. Yeah. Yeah, that's frustrating that people aren't always as under understanding about it. And I think the thing is, is that a lot of times... I'm sure you might get to this place because for me, you know, if I'm, well, especially when I was younger, if I were ticking in public or, um, you know, with my mom's health, she can't always sit down and, you know, you see people looking and staring when you're making certain requests of the waiter or you're trying to accommodate. And sometimes I feel like I get to this point where I just wish I could pull someone over to the side and give them a two minute educational speech. And because sometimes like sometimes it wouldn't work, but sometimes it would work. But it's hard because it's like we almost have to choose like, okay, what battle am I going to fight? Am I going to fight the one that makes my child the most comfortable or am I going to fight the one that makes them the most comfortable? Right. 
And that is, exactly. that's a hard one because as much as I think it, obviously I know that, you know, Eli comes first, which is the way it should be. And that's awesome. I think sometimes it's like that mama bear comes out and you're probably just kind of like, if I could just let you know. Right. <laughs> while you're staring at me, let me tell you why. <laughs> exactly. Make yeah. people understand and like feel a little bit guilty about it. Yeah. Um, what, what was that process of getting diagnosed? I mean, because, uh, both Blake and Bella, I'm assuming they don't have, they're, they're not, um, you know, they don't have ADHD or, or those conditions. So this is your, you know, you have two kids that don't have similar conditions that don't have this. And then all of a sudden, you know, baby number three, who is just as cute as babies one and two, (laughs) but just a little, of course, you know, I love your kids. Um, but just, uh, just a little bit more quirk, like. How how did how did that process like when did you first start seeing signs and when was he diagnosed? Um, I first started seeing signs. It was August of 2012. Um, and Eli's always been strong-willed, so even as a baby, if he wanted something, nothing was going to stop him from getting it. And whether it was something that would hurt him and it was dangerous, he has no fear. So um, I remember specifically when I thought something just isn't clicking with him. It was one afternoon. He had gotten in a lot of trouble that day, and he was in his room, and we were talking, and he was – he to say he was crying, is it sounded like he was crying, but he wasn't. He was just making noise, and here mm. he comes right now. <laughs> <laughs> he can join us. Hi, buddy. Hi. How are you? Uh, um, but he he was just looking slightly past me and just making a lot of noise. Sounded like he was crying, but no tears. It was just this hollow cry. And I I know, baby. Yeah. Thinking. Um. Okay. Hold on. And so um, I, I just I started crying because I knew to look for signs because a friend of mine, her son had been recently diagnosed and she was so open and honest with her journey, which is why I choose to be open and honest with mine Yeah, can help someone, then we all win. Mm. And so um, I told, you know, his dad that night, I said, I think Eli has Asperger's. And mm. he immediate was like, no, mm. no, he doesn't. He's just a boy, you know, all those things that a lot of people say. Um, so I, the next day, called his pediatrician, and that was the hardest call to make because yeah. I actually had to say it. She brought me in. Um, she told me, you know, did a few tests and told me she wanted to refer me to a neurologist and a psychiatrist and um, a speech therapist. The wait list was six months long. Oh, I didn't tell family. Um, until we got an official diagnosis in February next year. That's how long it took. But it was just, I called it my dirty little secret because (laughs) I didn't want to arouse any concern in my parents, especially if there was nothing. Um, But it was just a long six months, and he did have to have an evaluation by the psychiatrist, um, by the neurologist, and the speech therapist. Um, all in a room, and the funny thing about the evaluation was that Eli, I think back in October, back, you know, when I first had suspicions, I was 
sick. I had a cough and I had hauls, huge bag of hauls from <laughs> Sam's. Yeah. And he would just eat them like nothing. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just, you know, didn't think anything of it. So yeah. at when we went to the evaluation, I had him in my backpack and he asked for one and I gave it to him and the doctor just kind of looked and then he asked for another and another and she goes, after they did the test and came back, um, gave us the diagnosis, she said that all makes sense because he feels the halls mm. from the alcohol. He just, he feels it. So mm. that, you know, made sense that he had SPD. Um, so it was, it was tough. It was a long six months because the wait list is so long because they just don't have a lot of specialists, even though there's so many kids nowadays that are diagnosed because it's such a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, after the diagnosis, they gave us a list of treatments that he should, they recommend um, for him, and we just couldn't afford it. Insurance Mm -hmm. doesn't pay for it. We couldn't afford it. Um, We did the speech therapy. It's something that, you know, he gets now in school. He gets speech therapy and occupational therapy this next year. But things like um, applied behavioral analysis, ABA, insurance does not, did not cover that. I found out this year they do, but a lot of places don't take insurance. So Mm -hmm. a couple years ago, I downloaded a book about it on my Mm -hmm. iPad yeah. And I would read about it and just try to implement it at home because, you know, it it was just something we couldn't afford being a family with two other kids. And, you know, at the time I wasn't working. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that just that speaks so beautifully to what it means to truly be an advocate for your child. You know, um, I know that's something that my mom had to learn for sure. Um, I mean, because you could have easily been like, OK, we can't afford it. Boy, you better learn how to get over this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could have easily yeah. done that. Um, but instead you were like, OK, you know what? Like, first of all, you took the initiative to call the doctor and then, you you know, you took him and you were open minded, even though some of it may have seemed overwhelming. Um, but I especially love what you're saying about, you know what, like I went and I did the research that I needed to do. Um, and I read up on this and, um, my mom actually, like, I think, I, I don't know if I had told you this, like during this, or if I told you this, like before this, but like, that reminds me a lot of my mom at this again, because my mom had to do that with me, With my OCD got so severe to the point where like, I was pretty much causing everyone in the family and everyone in the house to readjust their lives just to do what I wanted to happen all day because my OCD was so severe. And it got to the point where, like, like my mom would have to, like, teach me, like, little ways to pretty much, like, manipulate my OCD. And, like, one thing was, like, I couldn't touch a certain, like, surface on the counter. And it just so happened to be the counter that we had in our kitchen. And so, like, if someone, like, wiped their hand across it, then I would be like, no, you need to put your hand over the other surface so that it evens out. And my mom just kind of taught me, like, okay, like, you can do that. But you can't expect all of us not to touch the kitchen counter (laughs) just because it drives you crazy. But... Um, but I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I respect that so much. It, it takes a lot to be that, to become the advocate for your child and to take those next steps to make sure that they're getting the care that you, that the getting the care that they need. Um, right. what was the journey like when, how old was he, when he was diagnosed again? He was two and a half. Two and a half. So Bella was six or about six or seven. 
Sound, that sounds about right. Yeah. I can't do the quick math. I know, I know. Math. I'm like over here writing down, like like doing subtraction. <laughs> and then Blake Blake was a teenager when he was diagnosed. So yeah, what was what was that like with having you know two older children and kind of sitting them down and being like, this is this is the this is the deal. What what was that experience like? Um, they they knew they um when I had my thoughts about it and out as we were waiting for the initial evaluation process. We always knew Eli was different because Eli has quirks. And yeah. to this day, if you do something once, it becomes routine for Eli. Mm-hmm. So they knew. Um, and it's it's one of those things where they just kind of just, Bella didn't really understand mm-hmm. um, what autism was. Blake did because he had some um some interactions with kids in his school but she just to her it was just like he's annoying to me he's you know he's mean to me he keeps opening Mm. my door you know so she didn't really understand um so i found on amazon a book about my younger sibling has autism um and just gave it to her it was age appropriate i don't know that she ever read it Quite honestly. Yeah. Um, but she had it in case she needed something to look at and say, mm-hmm. oh, this is this is like Eli. This is this is how we live. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake, Blake and Eli always have they their relationship has always been much different from Bella and Eli's because with Blake's huge family on his dad's side and here, he never he only has sisters. So Eli is his only brother, and their relationship has... Give me a minute, please. Thank you. Um, Their relationship has always just been, like, they're the bros. Um, So Eli had this thing, and he still does. He will run down the hall to their bedrooms and fling open their bedroom doors. Blake would be like, you coming in or you staying out? You make the decision. Bella, on the other hand, she would flip out. She'd yeah. scream. And so he thought, I can get Bella, you know, so he does that. Blake, you know, he'll be like, you can come in. You can hang out. And then, you know, he's just like, huh, Blake's much different. Yeah. So they hang out a little bit more. Bella, they're, him and Eli, or her and Eli are starting to hang out more. And um, that started when Eli started pre-K two years ago because they were at the same school. And she started, you know, to see her little brother in school. And if he had problems at school, they would go get Bella um, or take him to Bella. And she she just started to take care of him. So that changed about two years ago. Um, last year was the same. She would always see him in the hall. They were book buddies. The fifth grade class um, would go to the kindergarten classes. Her class just so happened to go to his class, and she would be his book buddy and help That's teach so him how to cute. read. <laughs> but they, they got a lot closer over the last couple of years. They still bump heads a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think um, it's just... I don't, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I think it's just something oh, they, yeah, they've always known because they're yeah. used to it. Yeah. And they're used to oh, Eli yeah. being this Eli that's like, <laughs> you know. And I have, 
a cousin Eli. You do have a cousin Eli. Yes. That's cool. <laughs> One thing that I love that you said mm-hmm. is that um, your friends, like openness and honesty, was something that really helped you and. That's just so, I mean, that's so imperative and, and just so beautiful. And I was just wondering, like, what is what has the support been like with other friends? And, you know, I guess what even, like, advice would you give to maybe to other moms that are, that are battling through this and struggling with openness? Because, of course, when you go with something like this or go through something like this, not all the responses are going to be positive. Not all no, of them are going to be reciprocated. And so... What has that been like, that journey of maybe even having to distance certain relationships or friendships, but then the the positive and what's also the positive of reconnecting or connecting with people who do understand? Well, I've lost some friends, you know, friends that are like, seems like autism is, you know, your whole life. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, it is. It's not my whole, (laughs) but it's a big part of my life. Yeah. I have have to remember the routines and it's easier for me to remember than it is for dad because dads don't do the, not that they don't do those things, but yeah. I was a stay at mom for so long, you know, it was easy for me to remember. Um, some friends are extremely supportive, extremely, um, more than I expected. One year, um, probably about two years ago, we decided to do the autism speaks walk, um, okay. in DC and we set a goal, small goal of $100 to raise. Not I, Autism Speaks, people love it or hate it. They were my first resource when Eli was diagnosed. Yeah. Um, but we had a small goal of just $100. We decided one weekend we were going to do it. We raised over $1,100 from friends and wow. family just wanting to support us. Yeah. Um, I've had friends reach out to me and say, you know, privately say, I think my kid may have autism. Mm-hmm. You know, you you talking about Eli and sharing his help. But like I said, I, I have family members that still don't buy into the autism hype. Um, it's, well, he's just a spoiled little boy. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can beat his butt and make him mind. And I'm mm-hmm. like... That doesn't work. That's yeah. not. That's not what's wrong with him. He's well, I not think just... even. I think even just in this interview, just you know, just the the few little moments that you've had interacting with him just now, you know, it's clear that you know how to, as a parent, to say, "Hold on a second. But at the same time, you can also see that he's a respectful little boy that just has yeah. different quirks that cause him to react and respond differently. And I think. Anyone can see that you're not like an overly passive parent, but that he's also just not like a crazy little kid. He's just, he has quirks and and you work with him and that's great. And you know, say all the time, it's not, it's not beneath me to bribe my kids, all of them. (laughs) Um, And you know, we say, hey, Eli, if you have five good days at school, you know, then you'll get a prize. He has an obsession with planes, all things planes. And the prize, (laughs) something as simple as going and parking at the airport and he watched the planes or we can buy a plane that it just depends on how big you know his progress is yeah you know 
it just depends on who it is. So that 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 little that uh, that is I cannot talk right now. What you just said combined with talking about the the race that you did makes me think of something. This question could either like go super well or just super wrong, but I'm gonna try it. Have you by <laughs> chance seen the show Parenthood? I used to watch it when it first came out, yeah. and then I just got. And I keep saying I'm gonna go on Netflix and watch it and cry and cry and cry <laughs> because I think I saw the last episode. It's just too. It's too much. Did you, I'm guessing that you know about the storyline of the little boy that has autism. Yeah. It was one of those where the show was really good, and you know, to those who are listening or watching, it's a show about a. Of an older couple and their four adult children and then all of their grandchildren. Um, but the 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 storyline was like there were moments where it was too much for me to handle. <laughs> like I was just like too realistic of like the whole concept of just having a child with you know the uh, neurobiological quirks was just like mm-hmm. too overwhelming for me to handle. And then they did the storyline of the mom getting sick and I was like this is too much for me. Like this is just rude. I need to do a Netflix Netflix band. Yeah. Too. Oh my gosh. Whenever well whenever you guys come down to Georgia, you can just we can we can watch it together and we can cry together. I'm a huge crier. Oh good. Okay. When you were mentioning just at how, you know, Bella and Eli like how their relationship has grown and and I think that's so beautiful and I just I, I love I love hearing stories like that. Um, I have a sister and that makes me really happy. And then we talked a little bit about how you, and maybe even you and your husband, how, which is funny to say your husband because he's my cousin Virgil, but um, how you guys have gone through different things with, with, you know, outside friendships and things. What, have your children faced any type of bullying or any type of situations with other children um, that you know of or have, have they had to come home and be like, I had to defend Eli and sister? Do you know anything about... Like, has that been a situation for the kids? No, I don't think so. And I guess the weird thing about my kids being so far in age is that Bella and Eli are only... Last year was their last year together ever in the same school. Yeah. Um, which makes me happy, but it makes me sad. Because I'm like, well, but if he needs her. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, no, he needs to find other resources. He needs to find a teacher or a friend. Um, but I don't know of a time where they've had to defend Eli. Yeah. But I do know that because of Eli, their tolerance for bullying, people bullying other people is very low. Mm. Um, and I didn't find out about it, and um, um, about this situation until this summer where Bella was saying, because she was the senior of elementary school last year, <laughs> and that's what she said, because she's, you know, so big and bad. Oh. Um, but I didn't know that there was drama in her class where, you know, she distanced herself from a lot of girls because they were picking on other girls. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, that you don't pick on people, you, you know, she just, she stood up for other people. Mm. And I think it's because, one, because they're, as, as much as they will get on my nerves sometimes and I threaten to put them out like I did this weekend, <laughs> they are good kids. And I'm not saying that because they are, I, I when I see good kids, I applaud good kids because mm. it's so rare especially the area we live in and these days that you find really good kids and they are kids 
But I think that because they do have a little brother with it's it's a disability with a disability um, that they feel the need to stand up for anybody, whether it's disability or race or religion. They don't tolerate a lot of things. Mm. Now, they, they are Sour Patch Kids. They have their moments when, you know, they're, they were rude this weekend. Blake was rude to me. And I was like, you know, crying, but letting him know, I don't appreciate it. You don't talk to me that way. But a little while later, he came back and he apologized and gave me mm. a hug. And, you know, because he was feeling the pressures of, what you know he and Eli had a little run in earlier that day so it takes a toll on all of us in this house um but we are we're all we got you know Mm. we have friends and family but the five of us we're we're it we're our tight circle and so it's easy it's it's gonna be some tension and and you know rocky times but we circle back around and we're like thank you for taking care of your brother today or thank you for cooking dinner or thank you for doing laundry because mom hasn't done it in three weeks. So, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. And, and they, they do stick up for other kids, which makes my heart swell and, you know, not going to cry. Um, but I, I am proud of them when, when I see them. Blake has a, a bandmate, a marching band who has autism and he came home last year um, which was a kid's freshman year, and he was so excited. He's like, there's this kid, and he's playing the drum. He's on the drum line, and he just, he was enjoying himself. And Mm -hmm. so that made my heart just explode because he can recognize it, you know, and he became this kid's friend, and it's not just because he has autism. He seeks out good people, Um, but he was just so excited for this kid to be excited doing what he loves and just feeling the music. You know, Eli's the same way. He doesn't just play. He's been drumming since he was two. He doesn't just play. He feels, you know, he'll sit in the car seat and he'll just, you know, feel the music. Yeah. They they do seek out good people and and try to stand up for other people. You know, it makes me proud. No, I I mean I love that, and obviously you know that's a reflection of how they're raised and um, you know what what they're taught, and that's that's amazing. So I think you're doing a great job with all three of your kids, um, yeah. and you know in in the midst of the, some of the challenges that you guys face, definitely doing a great job with that. And I know that there might be people listening or watching who are going to take away some of these things as far as how they can challenge their children and encourage their children. Um, As well, there might be some kids that are watching or listening that can learn a lot about how to treat their siblings better or even treat other kids in school or in marching band. Um, One thing, too, I think that people might get from this or understand from this um, or maybe kind of want to understand from this is... Like something that I don't relate to is being married and having a child with a disability. Um, what advice would you give to a married person um, just as far as, you know, just still being able to have a healthy marriage, um, even in the times of having a child that may really change things up? Because I know that that takes a lot of time, a lot of doctor's appointments and a lot of tears and a lot of frustration and 
Um, so what advice would you give to another, you know, mom or dad out there who is trying to really maintain the, the core and the foundation of their family? As much as we hear our kids come first, our kids come first, they don't. Mm. Biblically, my husband comes first. Yeah. Um, and I have to make sure I take care. I take care of my kids, but I have to make sure I carve out some time for my husband. I get in the rush of got to get the kids to school. I got to get, you know, kids to appointments. I, I have to go to dance, got to do this. But we have to carve out time for ourselves yeah. because it's so easy to push that other person away. And we did for a while, you know, it's like, sorry, um, I don't want to go to the movies. I am tired because I had doctor appointment ABC. Bella had dance, Blake had band and sorry, I didn't cook, you know, go pick something up on your way home. Yeah. But we try to remember that he's first and I'm first. And then mm. our kids come, you know, and so we date. We still have date nights. We have date days sometimes. Yeah. You know, if I'm off and I'm like, hey, you know, can you get away for lunch? Go on lunch, you know, and have some time um, and just talk, communicate, um, pray. That's mm. the biggest thing. You know, it's even if we are separated and doing our own thing I still have to pray for him yeah he has to for me if we can't get together and pray we still have to pray for each other in our family but communication date your spouse because just because you're married doesn't mean you got to stop dating yeah we've been to the movies we've been on dates for the last five four out of five weekends yeah because it's like I know school's about to start and everything's going to start activities and it's going to get busy. And I didn't see my husband yesterday. I left work at seven, left for work at seven fifteen yesterday. Yeah. I didn't get home until 10 uh-huh. last night with work. And then I had a meeting, you know, it's just, but he sat up and he was at the table when I got home with my McDonald's and <laughs> he sat there, you know, he talked to me, he told me about his day. I told him about my day, and I was like, good night. I'm going to bed. <laughs> okay, don't mess with her. You don't hate her. You We're not getting rid of the dog. Don't apologize. No. Okay, ask her to apologize to you. The dog. <laughs> Wait, you're, he's going to apologize to the dog? He said he hates the dog. He's she's probably asleep oh. in her bed, and he likes to get close. And yeah, for a quick so second, like her. I thought you were talking about Bella. No, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's so sad. Like that's such a strong phrase to your sister. But nope, it's too dog. <laughs> All of this has been has been so good, and even though it's super weird to hear about my cousin going on dates, like it's super awesome because. It's so, like, I mean, I think my very first memory of Virgil was, like, I don't know how old I was, but was visiting his mom up in Tennessee, or I guess, I think it was Tennessee. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I just remember I was really, really little, and she made us Frozen's. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. 
And she put the juice in the in the cup, the little popsicle stick in it. Ooh, I never had sugar before. She was the first person to give me sugar. Gave a little child with ADHD some frozen sugar. Ooh, I was well, a nut. She works at what is it, Planners or Mars? I think they're Mars now. Yeah. So she always has candy, gummy mm. savers, whatever. Uh, so whenever so we go, cool. it's like packing up bags for the kids, and I'm like, no. <laughs> Oh my gosh. As soon as we get home. Yeah. Oh my goodness. She's hilirious. She's still the same. Yeah. So that's like, I love her. Um, And that is my first memory of of being around Virgil. That was kind of what started me kind of meeting that part of my family. And clearly I'm really happy that I did. Um, I would, I would say as a, as a final question, I would just wonder um, what has been, because, you know, we've talked through some of the hardships and talked through some of the family dynamics and friendship dynamics or our lack of particular friendship dynamics and school dynamics, but what would you say has been either the greatest or some of the greatest, uh, maybe some of the advantages or, or one of the, or the advantage of embracing what makes Eli different? It's, I think the greatest thing is just that he's not like all the rest of us in the house, but mm. he is. Like, his quirks are his quirks, but he's still part of the Hutch Parham crew that, you know, we all have our quirks. And they talk about me, you know, when, when I turn up the TV, it has to be on a number divisible by five. You know, it can only be like 25 or 30. If 30 is too loud, then it has to be an even number. We all have our quirks. Yeah. Everybody. So to see that he is a little bit different from the rest of us, but he is still the same as the rest Mm -hmm. of us. um, You know, it's that's one of the biggest things that we embrace, um, especially in my entire family, is that we're all different. We're all made different, but we're no different than the next person. Yeah. And that, the biggest thing is, you know, to say that I was not disappointed initially would be a lot. I mm. grieved the child that I thought I, I planned for Eli. Mm. Like, dates, you know, okay, the, I planned to the T, but he was not the child that I planned for. Yeah. And I grieved that little boy that I thought that, I had, but once I got through that grieving process and realized that I still had an amazing little boy who still today teaches me a lot of things. He's six and he teaches me things. Um, I would be missing out. We all would if, you know, autism is a blessing and a curse, I call it. You know, if he wasn't diagnosed with autism, maybe I would not see you know, the amazing qualities he had. Not to say that, you know, I'm like, well, thanks, autism. But, you know, there there's things about him that I'm just, like, blown away. Yeah. Blown away. He's, he's one of, all of my kids are loving, but he is one of the most loving kids ever. Yeah. But he shows it much differently than Blake does. Blake will come and give me a hug and lay on me or lay in the bed with me. And Eli, you know, I walked out of the house earlier today to go to an appointment, and he randomly goes, you look very pretty, Mom. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, 
things, but you know, because he doesn't say those things often. Yeah. But when he does, you know, it's like a shot to the heart. Yeah. And it just makes you so excited. So one of the greatest things is just to see his growth and with every process, um, you know, with speech therapy, to see he used to say for the word for God, he would say got for. And so he'd be like, Mom, you got for so-and-so. And the first day that he stopped and remembered to say it as for God and to see how he was proud of himself, he was like, I said for God. Aww. And I was like, that's great. But, you know, just to see him proud of himself, um, that's, you know, one of the greatest moments ever. And when, you know, the two bigs, as I call them, when they – you know, applaud, hey, bud, you know, you did such a great job today. Or Blake will be like, we had such a great day, you know, and Bella will be like, you know, thanks for helping me with so-and-so. That's one of the greatest things that, you know, it makes me so happy that my kids are just like, we fought earlier, but good job. You know, (laughs) you gave it all. Yeah. Ah, uh, no, I, I love that. That's, that's also amazing. And I mean, your family is so great. And, um, I mean, I think Eli is what would we, what we would define, you know, as a fighter, you know, a little boy that is choosing to just work hard and become the best kid that he can be. But truly your whole family is fighters because you, it's a team effort. You know, it's not just yeah. Eli waking up one day and deciding I'm going to do better. It's like he, he <laughs> makes those decisions to, you know, to do better and to work hard, but it's all of you rallying around him and loving him and working with him and, um, working together. And that's so amazing. Um, was there anything else on your mind or on your heart? Well, I think one thing, uh, that I would encourage people is that if you have a thought or your gut tells you something's different about my child go for it you know have them checked out because some doctors will push back and say it's too early but it's never too early ever um, in my opinion because early intervention is probably what helped us so tremendously because if we had waited until he was in school and the doctors even told us a lot of kids go misdiagnosed for Mm. so many years it's not caught until you know they're in school and they're having disciplinary problems um but just trust your gut um whether your child is one or 21 trust your gut um and just be a mama bear or a papa bear Mm. and advocate for your kid bottom line whether it's autism or anything else when you know just just advocate for your kid you're their biggest advocate yeah so true ah so true well on that note i don't know anyone that could listen to this and not be encouraged or inspired or motivated like this like listening to you is like made me think like Am I advocating for my kids? And then I'm like, oh, I don't have kids. But it's like that's <laughs> like that's how much I'm like, yes, yes, advocate for the babies of the world. Like, yeah. um, I love that so much. Well, if you can stick around just for one second, I'm gonna close out the show and mute my okay. mic. But don't go anywhere. All right. Okay. <laughs>
Um, wow, I loved I loved that interview. I think I say that at the end of all of them. I'm like, oh, I loved that. It was so great. It was so amazing. But it was, and I'm inspired um, and encouraged, um, and I, I truly hope that you were inspired and encouraged as well. If you would like to get in touch with any of the families um, that I interview or any of the families that I communicate with, all you have to do is go to imafighter.org and just send us a message there, and we can pass your comments and your words of encouragement onto them. You can also send us a tweet, I'm a Fighter Org, or Instagram at I'm a Fighter Org, or just type in on Facebook, I'm a Fighter. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Last week's episode was the story of a two-year-old who was diagnosed with cancer, and it's called Just Trust. So make sure that you listen to that. And next week's story will be all about Kayla Jane, the story behind my song, Fighter. So make sure you subscribe so you do not miss that. You may be listening via podcast or watching via video, but either way, I'm so grateful that you joined. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a moment. And if you'd like to tell your story, make a donation, or read a host of our daily user-submitted stories, you can visit imafighter.org. This is Jamie Grace, and I will see you or talk to you or both next week. Have a great weekend. Keep fighting.